Hi there, I'm Maddie Savage and this is The Stockholmer, the podcast that connects you to the most inspiring entrepreneurs and creatives living in Sweden's innovative capital. Our whole idea is to sort of change people's mindset about how hard it is to cook Indian food. It doesn't have to be hard. That's Anju Kanna, whose parents brought curry to Sweden in the 60s. After going her own way and having a successful corporate sales career in London and New York, she's gone back to her roots and teamed up with her sister to launch Sistrana Kana, selling the family's special spice blends in delicatessens around the country. The Stockholmer. We are recording this episode in Stockholm's Mattmarknad, so Stockholm's food market in Östermalm, uh, which sells some of your spices. We've got them here in front of us, and uh, we're kind of on a race against time to do this interview before the lunchtime rush, because this place also serves meals. Um, we'll talk about your company uh, very shortly. Um, but first of all, let's just go back a little bit in time. Your family has built a, an amazing reputation for single-handedly bringing curry to Sweden back in the 1960s after your dad uh, came here to study. Give us the short version of that story. Okay, dad came to study um, engineering back in Gothenburg in the late 60s and he just missed the food really much. And it was sort of a struggle to get anything that was different from salt and pepper. He'd have to literally go to the pharmacy to get cloves or anything that was just different. And uh, he, it's Gothenburg's a harbour city. He'd go down to the harbour just to meet sailors and, and get, get sort of a supply of spices. And finally, he just sort of felt that there was a need to do it. And once he got married to mum as well, they were the first ones to really mass market curry across Sweden, um, did their own blends, which they sold. They also had restaurants at their time. And they sort of do it at smaller imports now too, but they really were very, very active. Growing up, were you aware that these were kind of what we would call today influencers, trendsetters? No, I, I think uh, I didn't. I didn't quite realise. We were all really passionate about what they did, but we didn't really look beyond there at that point. Did you think you guys were different? I mean, I'm guessing most of your friends' families were were not entrepreneurs in in the same way. A lot of that Indian community actually were. Um, so we didn't feel different from them necessarily. Probably quite different from our regular Swedish classmates. Absolutely, but we. Loved loved it and it was it was great it was different but I didn't really think it was a track for me at that time. Let's talk briefly then about what you did in between so you studied in London had a big sales career and then as you say have ended up selling spices with members of your family. Um, I went to London for university um, and uh, ended up uh, studying economics and, and got a job with a company called PR Newswire which is a news distribution company and I worked for almost a decade um, in their sales teams across both in, in Europe, in London and also from New York. I was there for a couple of years too and I absolutely loved it. I was working loads with investor relations and PR relations professionals. Then uh, I got married and my husband got a, uh, got a role in, in Switzerland and so we just decided, I decided to take a break. It was sort of in conjunction with us having our first child as well and we moved to Switzerland um, for four years uh, which was wonderful but I took a long career break with that and we then sort of subsequently had two more children and decided to move to Stockholm and so when I came back I, I sort of wanted to start work again but really didn't want to go back to my old field and felt all along towards our old family business but in a different way and reshaping it. I've just always always loved 
everything to do with cooking and, and also gaining experience across. We've obviously, I've lived then um, in London and in New York and in Switzerland and the food scene's so different in each of those uh, places. And also you realise what you miss when you're away from a food scene. So in New York there's an abundance of everything. In Switzerland it was hard to get the sort of milk that you wanted. And even coming back to Stockholm I, I felt that there was a real lack of good quality Indian sort of um, spices and sort of just foods uh, that you can easily get hold of in New York and in London. Tell us about your spices then. How different are they really from something that you could pick up in one of Sweden's many supermarkets? Well, I'd, I'd tell you they're really different. Um, they're all family recipes that were sort of inherited from sort of grandmas and whatnot. Um, and so we've never, ever, like, been able to sort of replace it with a different one. So even living in London and in New York, I actually sort of would always take big batches with me back to wherever I'd live. And they're just beautifully, beautifully blended. And they're all hand-blended as well. Um, just have an amazing balance to them you really need to try them so how many different kinds are there and how big a market have you now managed to shape here in Stockholm and around Sweden we launched just under a year ago and uh, where we actually sort of started with our first sales and we're now in Gothenburg in Stockholm and just got our first in Malmö so we're really pleased so you haven't found it a tough sell I guess with the background in sales that helps Uh, But, I mean, it's often hard, kind of cold-calling places. Yeah, it's definitely tough in certain places. I feel people are more more open to authentic, as you'd say in Swedish, handwerk. Um, Just it's a handicraft, and people are really open to trying new things, I feel. So once people see it and try it, it's definitely not a hard sale. Getting through the door always, always is wherever you go. You talk about trying to use these spices in home cooking, and I think, um, I mean, I love to eat curry. I'm from London, so I've grown up eating curry, but it can be a bit intimidating to get started with some global foods that, you know, seem a bit more complicated from the outside. So what are your tips for people that would like to start authentic Indian cooking at home? One of our sort of slogans is actually Indie Smart Pink Advice, which simply sort of translates as Indian food in a simple way. And I think the biggest barrier, I think, to sort of getting people to sort of try the spices is that they do think it's going to be really onerous in terms of time. And to me, making a curry is actually fast food and a lot healthier. And so we really try sort of making people understand that with the right ingredients and with really sort of quality products, you can actually just stop at just a few sort of ingredients okay so give us a quick example if you've never made a curry before what kind of ingredients do you need in your cupboard how long is it going to take you so for my curry that i always make at home i will always just use our curry classic and our garam masala with a bit of salt then you can have a few natural ingredients such as like ginger and garlic and onion in your in your fridge but in your store cupboard literally those three spices are enough as long as they're the quality spices and that's all i use when i make my curry i don't use anything else and from getting home to putting it on the plate? I make my curries in about 25 minutes. Our our whole idea is to sort of change people's mindset about how easy it or how hard it is to cook Indian food. It doesn't have to be hard. For the really lazy ones, we're launching our sauces in the new year. Swinging that back to sales, we can see how you've um, been a salesperson for so long. Let's talk a bit more about working with family and the logistics of, of, of running a business. Um, you've also got three children. Um, how is it working with family? Actually, I'm lucky that I'm working with my sister. She just has a very different head to what I have. So I'll always have my sales head on. 
where she's spent a lot of her working life in working for Malmöstad and just just different government sort of sections and now lately at a charity called Briz. And so I, I feel she's just extremely organised, which is great for the other part of the business where I can just feel I have free reins to just run along and do sales and marketing and she will manage a lot of the other pieces on the way. So in that way, it's a really good fit and a good collaboration. And we understand if her children are ill, if my children are ill, we absolutely understand it's our nieces and nephews. And that's a really lovely way of supporting each other as well. And you know the job will always get done. You'll have to get the work done somewhere. No family arguments, sibling rivalries that come back. And also you're based in different cities. She's in Malmö in the yeah. south. But I think that's probably the hardest challenge, being being so far away. So she's in Malmö, um, I'm in Stockholm. Uh, our business is also sort of our, our spices are being produced out of Gothenburg. And that is that is definitely a challenge. So finding the time with a busy family life and sort of making time over for each other. We do still try sort of just negotiating that with our respective husbands as well to um, to get that time. So what are the goals for the business? As we talked about, you've expanded the number of locations where you're bringing the spices and you're bringing out these sources. But, I mean, what's your dream? Our goal has always been sort of to be a domestic name that's just synonymous with Indian quality foods across Sweden, across the Nordics. That would be wonderful too. But you should just sort of know that that is that if you're looking for Indian foods, you would go to our brand first, and it would just be synonymous with quality with what Indian food should taste like. Have you funded this business so far? So far, it's funded from uh, it's funded by private funds by us. We have a goal of sort of being profitable. In we just started a year ago, so in two years' time, we want to be fully profitable. That's our goal. How do you think your background in the corporate world has helped or hindered you as you've started this new project? I think it ha- if it hadn't been for my sales track, I wouldn't have been as confident about sort of going out, closing sales. I, I feel that's massively contributed to kind of my mindset. Um, but it can also, corporate roles can also sort of make you quite comfortable, I think, in, in a corporate setup. And you don't sort of want to break free of that and start something new. I think what's helped me having is, was actually having this break uh, with children and actually just starting afresh. So you must have made your parents um, very proud, uh, kind of bringing things back to, to where they all started. What's the response been from the family, both here in Sweden and, I mean, do you have proud relatives watching in India as well? We do have proud relatives, actually. The response has been wonderful. Um, our parents are proud, but I think it's probably mixed with uh, nervousness as well about how, how it's going to all pan out. But I think, like, seeing it grow within just this first year, I think they've been immensely, immensely proud. And they're involved in the business side of things where you actually make the spice in Gothenburg. Exactly. So the process is that we make all of our spices there. Our father is actively involved in developing the products as well. So he is sort of our last taste tester. And all of these recipes have been developed by them as well. So they're always constantly, um, they're constantly involved at every, at every part of the process. They weren't annoyed that you started your own business rather than uh, sort of tagging onto theirs? No, because I think um, a part, the biggest part of their business has been imports of other brands and I think they're extremely proud that finally we've sort of actually launched something in our own family name. I think they're really pleased about that. Stockholm has changed a lot um, in the decades since you've been around, since your parents moved here. Uh, what's your experience of, of the country becoming more international? You spoke earlier of um, an Indian community in Gothenburg and then feeling 
different from some of your Swedish friends? How do you think that's evolved? It's definitely evolved. Um, I feel I was actually more hesitant than I, my husband, I think, about moving back to Sweden. I moved when I was about 18 years old and, and hadn't really looked back and didn't really think I was going to move back. But my husband, who's British, was really quite keen to, to give it a try. Why didn't you want to move back? Um, I just felt like I, I belonged better in in cities like London and New York where there's just uh, more of an integrated culture and you just meet loads of different people all the time and it's it's you, you, you never really feel like an outsider. I think growing up in Gothenburg I sometimes would, would feel that. But moving back to Stockholm has been a really, really positive sort of change in that. So that's it's been it's been really fun. And also obviously hand in hand with people just opening up to trying different things like food, for example, and just seeing such a sort of an interest in that is wonderful too. There's a lot of enthusiasm and it's quite infectious in Stockholm. We've had everything from like from sort of poor students that are happy to spend that little bit extra on this curry and not then on a million other ingredients. Um, to just people that are extremely interested extremely interested to food and to people that are just lazy cooks even if you like yeah so it's been a real mix of people looking back now on where you've come in just over a year how do you feel and now now you've taken that gamble and and, and things are, are moving forward i feel really good uh, both my sister and i feel really she's here this week and we're sort of just looking through the plans for next year but i don't think we really ever thought that we'd be in three different locations for other people perhaps listening to this podcast that have similar dreams but that haven't yet quit that corporate job or or haven't had a break from their from their careers and are thinking of doing something what would be your message to them certainly have uh, money tucked away for a rainy day if you're going to start it because you quickly through funds but you know start start in the evening start one day a week just start mapping out what you think you want to see it's it's never too early to start it really isn't and what would you say you've got the most do you think out of running your own business alongside your sister I've really enjoyed involving my kids in this process I think after years of being at home all my kids say that they want to work with spices and they want to work in mummy's business which makes me really really proud so I think that's been like the biggest sort of affirmation of all Wow, so in the next podcast, uh, season 26, or whatever we're doing when we're not listening to podcasts in 20 years' time, they could be the next generation. I would love that if it sort of carried on, if it was a business to hand it over, yeah. been listening to The Stockholmer, a production by Maddie Savage with sound assistance from Benoit Derrière and music by Simeon Ghost. Support for this episode comes from Move to Stockholm. All interviewees featured on The Stockholmer are independently selected. If you've just discovered the show, don't miss the rest of our episodes. Find them by typing The Stockholmer into your search engine or favourite podcast app. Mm-hmm.